0: That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
1: You are listening to the Motherhood Unstressed podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so glad that you're here, as always. And if this is the first time that you've ever tuned in, welcome. I'm honored that you found the show. And I'm not surprised because this week's episode is probably someone that you're very familiar with. I'm speaking with Amanda Knox. Now, Amanda spent four years in an Italian prison following a wrongful conviction for the murder of her roommate, a sentence that was ultimately overturned by the Italian Supreme Court. She's now a mother, an author, a journalist, and co-host of The Labyrinth podcast alongside her husband, Christopher Robinson. In this episode, we talk about her journey to freedom, not just physically, but mentally as well. That traumatic stress that she went through, what is healing her now, what is getting her through, and enabling her to create a life not only for herself, but for her daughter. Ultimately, I'm just grateful that she trusted me to hold the space for her to share her side of the story, her perspective. So please enjoy this episode with Amanda Knox. Oh, hello, Amanda. Welcome to the show. I'm so
2: glad that you're here. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, and you're a fellow podcaster. Your booth is amazing. Your, <laughs> your podcast, Labyrinth, is so good. In a recent episode, you were talking about you know, the idea of remaking yourself. Is that even possible?
2: Yeah, I, it's a podcast where I explore different stories and moments, in, um, other people's stories, but also moments in my life when I have felt lost. And, you know, one of those questions is, can you remake yourself after you've been through something or or even if you haven't been through something and you're just like, you know what? I need a change in my life. And, and can I be a different kind of person? Like, are those, I feel like we all have moments in our lives like that. And we don't know how um, deeply enmeshed we are with our past and whether or not we can reshape it for the, for the sake of the future. Um, but also, you know, I talk about things like, motherhood or pregnancy and how incredibly complicated and, and at times scary and confusing it is. Um, so that was, um, a recent sort of mini series of my podcast where I looked at my own experiences of infertility, other women's experiences of infertility, and then, um, tracked my own pregnancy from first through first, second and third trimester.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I feel like so many women when they're going through that, it's such a whirlwind. You know, your your hormones are all over the place, your mind is all over the place. Do you think that you developed like special coping mechanisms because you had to be so strong on your own for so long that when you did hit those those hard early motherhood moments, even pregnancy moments that you were better able to handle the waves?
2: That's an interesting question. Um, because I remember, um, at the very beginning of my pregnancy, um, first of all, my first pregnancy, which ended in a miscarriage, um, I felt very unprepared for emotionally. Um, I didn't realize how common miscarriages are because I never hear about them. So I assumed that that is a very rare thing as opposed to a very common thing. Um, and then it was way more emotional than I thought it was to lose that pregnancy because I had always had this idea in my mind of, well, of course I'm going to be a mother. And of course my body's going to be fertile. And why would it, why would something bad happen? And then when that expectation was reversed, I didn't, I I felt almost like I was a, a similar sort of tinge to when I was wrongly convicted Like, oh, all of my expectations about the world and myself and my future, like they, I don't know actually what I can count on anymore. Is this Mm -hmm. going to happen for me? Am I just going to miscarry and miscarry and miscarry and never be a mom? Like uh, all of those thoughts go through your head and you honestly don't have a lot of guarantees. There are no guarantees. You don't know. And that was um, an interesting thing for me to grapple with because I thought that I had that not knowing behind me. And instead, <laughs> motherhood has shown me that there's a lot of unknowing ahead of me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like day to day, it's like you wake up and you're ready for for what's going to happen and then you're completely caught off guard? Or do you feel like you've kind of hit your flow now?
2: I think I've hit my flow. Um, my daughter is now five months old. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just started sleeping through the night. But of course, like, she also has figured out how to roll from her back to her front, but not her front to her back. So occasionally I'll have to go rescue her because she'll be like opposite turtling. <laughs> Um, I can completely picture this too. That's why I'm <laughs> laughing. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I mean, I am getting, she is becoming a person and she's having to figure out her own rhythms and I'm just sort of like there to like be there for her. And that's a super interesting place to be in. Cause I feel like up until the moment of motherhood, we're all just sort of, doing that to ourselves, right? Like we're, we're very like absorbed with, oh my gosh, am I, am I turtle? Am I turtling with my feet up in the air? Do I, how do I write myself? And then like suddenly your mind and your, and your, in your soul and everything just pivots. And you're like, yeah, this person is doing that. And how do I help them? Um, and it's a, beautiful experience it's also really like it it, for me it um reminds me of just how animalish we all humans are like we're all just we're all just baby animals we're all just babies who are just trying to live a good life (laughs) and it's true sometimes don't get what we want and it makes us sad and that's that's just life
1: Right, And navigating that. And, like, I'm at a point now. Like motherhood for me really, really woke my ass up to, wow, like I don't want to just be surviving this this hard, hard stuff that I'm going through, like dealing with all these things I've never dealt before until now, and like you can't escape it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also made me want to thrive in that mm-hmm. state. You know, I didn't want to just get by. I wanted to be, you know, really good in, in my life. You know, I wanted to be healthy and strong and mentally strong and all of those things. And I feel like you just have that, that steel spine yourself because of what you've gone through what you've suffered through, you know, even not just the imprisonment, but just the barrage of the media, you know, in all those years and then following, do you feel like, man, where does that come from for you? Like, because I think most people would just have crumbled under that kind of
2: pressure. Well, um, one thing I can say is I have a very loving and supportive mom. So um, I look back on those years and there's a tinge of sadness because like I I now have a new perspective on what that experience was like for my mom Mm -hmm. who had to be there for me and do anything she possibly could to, to rescue me basically to save my life but also knowing how limited she was in her ability to do that. Like, I cannot imagine the, like the horrible experience it was for my mom to come and visit me and have to leave me there in the prison every single time when like, she absolutely would have taken my place if she could, if she could have walked back into my cell and let me walk out, she would have done it, but she couldn't. And so, um, the, Powerlessness that she felt, but also how much just her going through that with me in every way that she could meant made me feel not alone. Mm-hmm. And I do think that that uh, made a huge difference in my ability to emotionally and, and intellectually process my experience. I did not feel abandoned, I did not feel alone. Even if no one was able to be there in the prison with me, I knew that. There were people who loved me and a life that belonged to me on the outside. And when I think about, it's interesting that you pointed out how you didn't want to just survive, like motherhood really like woke you up to how you want to thrive. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that is a similar thing to the way I felt because a, a little bit, My experience going through this whole wrongful imprisonment and trials and and prison and then coming out into the world and people like constantly scrutinizing me and tabloids taking pictures of me like I've I've felt like I've just been surviving like I've, I, I know a lot of people look at me and they think wow look at you thriving and it's like, well, It doesn't feel like thriving to me because I feel like I'm just uh, surviving and adapting and reacting to a very hostile world in a lot of ways. And since I've had a daughter, I feel much more of a compulsion to set my daughter up in a better life than I've had. So I want her to have better relationships than I've had. I want her to, be, I want her to have, be able to communicate better than I have. I want her, like, I want to tell the world to leave her alone. She's none of your content, <laughs> like, kind of thing. Like, I want, to, I want to defend her in ways that I couldn't defend myself. And, um, and that means a tackling head on a lot of the problems that I think the world has, especially towards women and young mm. women.
1: Yeah. I mean, do you think, I mean, going back, do you think it was because you were a beautiful young woman that you were targeted so harshly and then, you know, continues on? It's like a Monica Lewinsky, you know, kind of thing. And I know you were on stage speaking with her, which was probably really interesting. We can talk about that if you'd like. But do you think it was because, you know, you were this beautiful young woman that it was all turned upside down?
2: I think that me being... um A young woman who was sexually active um, at the time um, made it so that this case became a huge deal in in terms of the international media. Like everyone latched on to this case because it was portrayed as girl on girl sex crime. And so people like went crazy and started projecting all of their like horrible fantasies about female sexuality onto this case. And I became this blank slate onto which people could, you know, project all of their anger and, and hatred towards sexually active young women. Um, I definitely felt like I ended up becoming, it didn't like matter that I didn't have a criminal history and that there was no evidence painting me at the crime scene. Like just the story of a, Evil young sexually active woman was enough to captivate people and to put me behind bars. And that is fascinating to me that that story had was like so odd, like it was so rare, but also so like familiar to people that they just latched onto it. And it makes me question like, what are the stories that we keep telling ourselves and how do we keep repeating them? And how do we keep repeating the harm? Like one Mm -hmm. of the things that I've been trying to recently point out ever since my daughter was born, it's interesting coincidence is me pointing out that representing this story like what happened to my friend Meredith who was raped and murdered by a local burglar in Perugia representing that story as the Amanda Knox saga is misleading because it i had nothing to do with her murder it doesn't name her as the victim it doesn't name the murderer as the murderer it names a person who is like tangential and you know should never no one should ever have remembered my name next to this story. And yet, like my name and my face is the thing that is people use like is shorthand for Meredith's murder in a lot of people's minds. And that is deeply irresponsible. And it's also um it's interesting to me that this story about Meredith's murder is being told in fictionalized versions. All the time. Like there are TV shows and novels and movies that are made inspired by right. this story. And yet it, the inspired by part is once again, this lie, this girl on girl crime. It's it's not what actually happened to her, which is what happens to a lot of young women, which is they're attacked by young men.
1: God, I mean, that that's got to make you so just viscerally angry, you know, like, how do you not just walk around the world angry all of the time? Because I feel like that would be so hard for me to not feel that way, to not just be bitter and cold and just want to, you know, shut everything and everyone out. Like you're living and you have a daughter and a wonderful husband. Like how, like, honestly, (laughs) like tell us, tell us how that's possible. Cause that's to me, the ultimate level of Hmm.
2: self-evolution. Well, I mean, when I was in prison, I lived alongside a lot of people who um, were guilty of crimes, but had also been victims of crimes beforehand and also felt victimized by society. They had been neglected, abused, they were impoverished, they were addicted to drugs because of um, emotional stress issues. Like, these are women who are at the lowest rungs of society who are dealing with the Deepest hardships that anyone, no one should have to go through, um, had been dealing with that since they were children. Um, And I saw that they were very bitter and angry. And I did, I saw that that was a path that I could go down. And I did not want to go down that path. Um, I wanted, and I still want to embrace humanity. Acknowledging all of its flaws, but embrace humanity ultimately. Um, and f- ha- have peace with whatever it is that life gives you, because ultimately that's all you can do. No one really, really has control over what happens to them in their life. And so the only control that you have is over how you react to it. And if you want to be at peace with whatever it is that life throws at you, you can get there. You just have to take a step back, take a deep breath, and remember what it is that you, who you want to be and what you want out of life and to go after those things. And that's it. And just, and embrace what you do have. And, you know, and then sometimes you get lucky. I got lucky. I have a husband who appreciates me and and loves me for who I am. And um, didn't Google me the first second he saw me <laughs> go down <laughs> the Google <yogurt laughs> rabbit hole, you know? But not everyone gets that lucky. Like not everyone gets lucky like that. I got lucky. Um, I feel like a very lucky person. And, you know, and that includes with everything that happened. Because yeah. like when I look back on everything, I think, wow, if I had not met Raffaele Solecito five days before that crime happened, I would have been home that night and I would mm-hmm. have been murdered too.
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah, if you think about
2: it, I didn't like, even think about that. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's incredible.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, I
1: mean, going going through this life and and finding peace and and you know becoming who you really are each and every day. How do you balance the the paradox of having an anonymous peaceful life with being Amanda Knox and and creating a living for you and your daughter and your family?
2: It's a great question. It's one that I'm still figuring out. (laughs) I can't say that I have like, this is the prescribed way to do it, but the (laughs) way that I've done it is in the same way, it's sort of the same, um, strategy that I have towards just being emotionally okay with everything. Like I am grateful for what I have. I, um, I try to keep my eyes open and my heart open to the opportunities that I see come my way. Um, I do take risks and and trust people, even though I've been hurt before. And I think that's that's worthwhile because without without taking risks, without like going out of your way to trust someone or try something new, you're never actually going to move forward. Um, and when it comes to, you know, the career that I've built for myself, um, I definitely had to make it up out of out of whole cloth because going and getting a regular job and doing what, you know, what you know, a regular, quote, job. It Being Amanda Knox comes with a lot of baggage. And I definitely, there was a period in my life where I was working in a local bookstore um, in Seattle and very occasionally there would be people coming in who wanted to see the famous girl, Amanda Knox. And meanwhile, I'm worrying about these death threats that I'm receiving and if that person's going to find out where I work and therefore can follow me and find out where I live. Like, those are the kinds of things that mm-hmm. I have to think about. And so realizing that first of all, maintaining the proper perspective, like what do ultimately, what do I have? What do I know? What can I do? What's the best thing that I can do with what I have and what I know. And I've always, always, always driven towards that. So in this case, I, um, I have a Career in journalism and podcasting. I um, am really good at listening to other people and hearing their stories and understanding where they're coming from. And so I decided to do that professionally. <laughs> to <Heck> like yeah! <laughs> you know why not? Like, hey, that's a great way. And a lot of people—you'd be surprised how many people just want to be heard. Yeah, have just like are trying to figure out how to articulate their experiences to themselves and just want to have a conversation with someone who's willing and ready to listen and and help understand that their story with them.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, you know, you do this enough, you podcast enough, you listen to hundreds of stories over time. How, when you go out into the world, you realize that people aren't really listening, you know, you'd be in a regular conversation or at a dinner party and you, I think when you attune your, your mind to this kind of work, you do realize, wow, you know, they're not listening at all. They're not getting half of what I'm saying. And, Mm -hmm. you know, scientists say that we only, you know, absorb maybe 40% of what we hear in conversations. So do you find that you, you know, as a podcaster, someone who, you know, is a journalist trained, do you find that you see stories and hear stories that other people don't? And then you, you almost can't even share it because it's like, there's just so much, you know, you're very sensitive to all of that.
2: Yeah. I mean, it takes, so to get through, if someone has motivated reasoning or motivated listening, what that means is that they will listen to what they want to listen to and they'll ignore what they want to ignore. And if this is especially challenging around the dinner table, where maybe you want to talk about this interesting idea, like, I don't know, um, Uh, Climate change. You want to talk to your family about climate change and maybe everyone at the table is going to already be sort of primed to have what their intuitive perspective is on it and they're not going to be open to uh, new ideas and the challenge of journalism and the challenge of storytelling is first of all to allow yourself to be open to new ideas and to not just have an intuition about what you already think before you ever like engage with someone about an idea or their story but then furthermore you have to anticipate okay what are the mental blocks that are going that are between the audience that i am talking to and the idea or the person who i'm interviewing and how is it that I can construct a story that hurt either hurdles the audience over that block or sort of sneaks them under it without them realizing it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then finding that like common humanity or, um, or that common ground, um, in that idea that maybe was unexpected. Those are like some of my favorite, um, podcast episodes that I've done Um, I don't know if you, there's one that's very, very challenging, but that I'm actually really quite proud of, um, that is actually a great story for parents. Um, in the first season of my podcast, it's called one bite of the elephant at a time. Mm -hmm. And it's the story of a family. It's a story of two parents and their son is going to jail for, he was caught up in a, in a crime and. They originally reached out to me privately um, because they, you know, were these middle-class family who didn't really know what to do with their young, like twenty-year-old son who had been caught up in this, this thing, and now they needed support figuring out how to support him through through prison. Um, but meanwhile, I sort of unravel what it was that this twenty-year-old young man was accused of, and it is definitely challenging, especially for parents. Um, but It's telling not really his story, but the story of his parents and how they are processing all of all of that and whether or not like and how they're treated in their community as the parents of this young man. Um, It's a fascinating story because I think that their sort of parenthood and their thinking about their own son is in a lot of ways not real doesn't really go acknowledged by our criminal justice system nor our society when it comes to these interesting cases
1: yeah do you see a change happening in you know the criminal world with cases like this with more you know people like you having a platform talking about the injustices even you know kim kardashian and kanye west talking about these people who are wrongfully accused or who have been in prison you know for decades for something mm-hmm. minuscule i mean do you think that there is a change happening
2: I do think that there is more of an open conversation about this than there was, say, you know, even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, back when I was first, um, back in 2007, when I was first incarcerated mm-hmm. in Italy, I don't remember ever hearing about the criminal justice system I just assumed that bad people went to prison and everyone else didn't go to prison and it was that simple and of course that's coming from a very privileged place I never had to interact with the criminal justice system so I didn't know how screwed up it was um, at at times um, and ha- like being thrust into this world against my you know against my will and unjustly in Italy, allowed me to have a better perspective about what is happening here, especially since I've um, made connections within the innocence movement um, and other wrongfully convicted people here in the United States and also rightfully convicted people who spend either way more time in prison than they yeah. ever should have. Um, or who, you know, like uh, the three strikes law is just like stunning, like that we're putting in people in prison for stealing a can of coffee, like for their, their entire life. Like it's, it's insane. So the number of things that I have, um, and one of the things that I think about when I think about my own journalism is, and when I've thought about myself, what is my role in this world where, you know, the vast majority of other wrongfully convicted people who I've ever met are poor men. Mm -hmm. And I sort of stick out as this like weird you know, as, as, as well known as my case is, and it's a very, very well-known wrongful conviction case, it's not very representative of the reality of wrongful convictions. So why is that? Well, of course there's the sexy female and female crime aspect, but there's also the fact that I'm a young white woman and people value my life more a lot of times. Um, and so a lot of times what I think my role in this, in this movement is, is to be the bridge, like mm-hmm. to build bridges between communities where I'm all automatically sort of understood and valued as a human being and build bridges towards those communities that tend to get overlooked. Um, because again, like, you know, I never thought about this growing up. It never occurred to me to think about this. And now that I my eyes have been opened to it, I feel like I can help pave the way for other people to see it too.
1: Yeah. I mean, do you think that this is going to end up being your purpose was it was the hardest thing that you've ever gone through actually the path to your purpose.
2: I mean, I think that that's true of a lot of people because you know, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason why bad things happen to people and the way that you process that is often through meaning making and you make meaning out of your own experiences. And then if that meaning is powerful and meaningful enough, you want to share that with people and you want to make a difference in other people's lives who are experiencing the same thing. And so I feel like I'm really grateful for the opportunity to connect with people on such an important issue. Um, but also to just have, um, To have gone through experience that was very hard and know that even if I've never gone through, you know, experience X that was really hard, I know what it feels like to go through something hard. And so I can be someone who's a good listener or a, a good sort of just support person for someone who's going through something really hard, whatever it may be. And I think that that's one of the most beautiful gifts that you can give anyone is to just help them feel less alone when they're going through something hard. Um, And when I think about my daughter and and motherhood and how to like translate that, I know that I can't protect my daughter from everything in the world. And I'm going to do my best, but whatever, something is going to happen. And I need to, I feel like I want to give her every tool that I have at my disposal to help her adapt and, and experience post-traumatic growth as opposed to post-traumatic stress, Um, Mm. whatever this thing may be that she has to deal with.
1: I love that. So beautifully said. So I'm going to attempt a hurdle to, to bring who you really are, who you've always been to the listener. Can you share, you know, at the core of Amanda Knox, who you really are, who's, who's been there the whole time?
2: Oh, um, gosh, that's such a big question. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. Um, Yeah, no pressure. Who are you? And go. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, go. Um, so I am, I'm ultimately a lover. I, I love people. I love animals. I love connection. Um, I love honesty. I really, really care about the truth. Um, I care about people's feelings. Um, and but if you want to get into specifics, I'm super nerdy. I love Harry Potter and Star Trek and Star Wars. <laughs> I love to sew. I love to swing dance. I love, um, I'm this weekend, I'm having a Lord of the Rings, uh, marathon party where we're going to be making, crafting Lord of the Rings Christmas ornaments. Oh my God. Like- I love it. I love it. <laughs> like, that's, that's a lot of my world. Like, I just, um, I, I tend to have, Um, not a ton of people in my life, but the people who are in my life are very, very close. Um, and I'm, I just, and I love them. And so that's, that's my world. Like it, honestly, like that's always who I've been. Um, I grew up in a family that was kind of big, but also just very close. Like mm-hmm. my entire extended family was within walking distance um, from me growing up. So I grew up with my cousins and my aunts and my uncles and my, my grandma. Like everyone was right there. Um, and that was a really beautiful experience. Um, and I want to pass that along to my daughter as well.
1: Yeah, I yeah. love it. I love it. Okay, so this is my final question. Um, mm-hmm. What is the best piece of advice that you've actually followed in your life?
2: So, um, I remember this from my, like, it's not even really a piece of advice. It's just my mom, this, okay. Backtrack. (laughs) I have this very, very vivid memory of playing in the backyard with the neighbor kids at my mom's house. And going inside and asking my mom if we had some bread and peanut butter so that I could make peanut butter sandwiches for everyone. And my mom, I think I may have been seven, maybe seven or eight. I was about as tall as the kitchen counter. That's what I remember is I was Mm -hmm. about as tall as the kitchen counter. And my mom was helping me make the sandwiches and she like sort of gave me a little pat on the back. Like, good job, Amanda. Like that was really thoughtful of you. And it, the, the words that I remember is that she said to me, of all the things that I could hope for you in the world, I hope that you're kind. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I, I think you are being kind right now. And I, and I love you for that. And that always stuck with me because I've never regretted being kind. And, like, even to people who didn't, you know, quote, deserve it. Like, I've never, ever, ever regretted being kind. It's always, always, always been the right choice for me. And so I think that that's a piece of advice that I would pass on to other people is, like, you will never regret being kind.
1: Yeah. And to your daughter as well. I mean, that's going to be instilled, I'm sure.
2: I hope so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Beautiful, Beautiful. So Amanda, what is next for you and how can the listener follow your work online?
2: That is a very great question. Um, so I have a number of really cool things in the works. Um, but for the ones that I can say is I'm obviously continuing my podcast. I have a great, um, Season coming up about uh psilocybin mushrooms and its potential mm. for um therapy uh for depression and post-traumatic growth and all of that kind of stuff. Um the first episode of that just came out this week, and so they'll can be coming out weekly. Um you can find Labyrinths wherever you get your podcasts, or you can go to knoxrobinson.com. Um you can also follow our work and all of the extra Patreon perks if you go to patreoncom knoxrobinson I can be found on Twitter at Amanda Knox and on Instagram at Amama Knox.
1: Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, Amanda, this is such a pleasure. Thank you for sharing your heart and your love with me and the audience. Um, I think having conversations like this is really important. And for someone with your platform and, and you're talking about criminal justice and, and what you've been through, I think that uplifts all of us and opens all of our minds to reality of, of what's really out there and what we should be taking down as far as obstacles in front of us when we see others.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: You have been listening to the Motherhood Unstressed podcast. Please be sure to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast.